Hey, good morning. You can start your watches, okay? All right, so you can hit the slide if you would, guys. I appreciate it. So we've been in a series called The Glory of God, and last week we talked about uh, how that glory is seen through Christ's church. And I'll make that emphasis over and over again, more than likely, the idea that as we gather here week after week, this, this is our church, but it's all underneath the idea that it's Christ's church. He is head of the church. We are the body. And so as we, as we go through this, uh, you remember I talked about the world being turned upside down last week, and, and, uh, and that has come to my mind throughout the week, how we live in an upside-down world, and that one day God will set it right side up. God's, God's method for setting that world right side up is obviously Jesus Christ and his church. And so as we, as we continue in this series, but actually segueing into a new mini-series that's still focusing on this, we're going to talk about the glory of God seen through Christ's local church, all right? And that would be us. And so here's, here's a new slide I came up with, and that's just this. The glory of God seen through us, Merrimack Valley Baptist Church. It's a wonderful facility, it was that facility that when I first saw it, I was like, wow, that looks so New Englandish, And I'm so thankful that God called Christine and I up here. Uh, that steeple needs some repair. Every time I see it, I think, oh, we've got to spend some money to fix that thing. All right, so stay tuned on that. But we're going to talk about the glory of God as seen through. It's not the building. It's those in the building. It's us. We are the church. And so we're going we're gonna to be looking a little bit more at this idea of bringing God glory uh, through our local ministry. So the, the, the thought of the day really is this. What the church is, big C church, what the church is, we, little c church, are called to be. What the, what the church is, is what Merrimack Valley Baptist Church, the people of our gathering, we are called to be the church we are a local expression. I'm going to be going back and forth more than likely between Big C Church and Little C Church. I'll try not to lose you in, in the emphasis that I'm trying to get out. But please understand, their church is something. Because it's the church of Jesus Christ. It's the church God established. It is the church that has existed uh, since the day of Pentecost to this day and will exist all the way into the second coming of Jesus Christ. And those within the church will even transcend that as we experience eternity with God because of all that Christ has done for us. So knowing that we're in Mother's Day, and I'm not preaching a Mother's Day message, and all the men said, Amen, right? Uh, as, as we were joking, and it's usually a joke during this time of year, that you know we lift up moms as high as we possibly can, and then Father's Day we just... Tear into dads, right? So uh, I'm going to avoid that temptation this year. And we're going to just talk about this idea of family. So not only are we a church, we're a little C church, part of big C church, but we're also a family. And so the church is one family. It's, we have many expressions of this family, both in our community and across the globe. Because everyone who's a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone and what He's done, they're part of our family. So the church is one family, and so we see that. Now, we did a scripture reading out of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. I'm going to reference uh, mainly 19 and 20, 
Uh, and then a little bit later, I'll read 21 and 22, I believe. But we're going we're gonna to just kind of park here. Not, not too much. We're going to be all over the, uh, the uh, Scripture, mostly the New Testament today. Actually, I think it's all the New Testament, unless I do something ad lib, which I'm known to do. But Ephesians 2, starting in verse 20, says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. This is good news, by the way. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, uh, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So in the context of, of Ephesians, Paul has been, uh, he's a fabulous book, by the way. I, mean, I, I'm, I preached from it multiple times, and I'm not doing it in order, and I'll probably hit it on it a few more times over the next few weeks. Uh, so maybe one of these days we'll go right from the beginning to end, but for now we're kind of jumping around. In the context of, of what Paul has been challenging the Ephesians with and calling them out to, to understand is that we read earlier, the middle wall of separation has been torn down. There were two people that existed in a sense prior, when that wall was established, that when it was still standing, there were the Jews and there were the Gentiles. And the Jews did not like the Gentiles, and the Gentiles did not like the Jews. There was no fellowship going on. There was no, no, no shared meals going on. Unless you were uh, a, probably a, uh, a Jewish person of ill repute, right? That could have been the place. Or you could have been maybe a God-fearer who, 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 as a Gentile, became Jewish, right? Some of those things may have happened. But for the most part, as you're talking about the big picture, Jews and Gentiles, they didn't get along. I want you to think about people you don't get along with today. And maybe it's historic. Maybe you can remember the time in the past where you're like, no, not hanging out with those people. I have stories in my mind and heart growing up where there were certain groups of people you, you were allowed to hang out with and certain people that you weren't. And um, as we talk about what we're talking about today, what Paul is saying is that in Christ, these two people that despised each other, the middle wall of separation has been torn down and the two have become one in Christ. They have become the church and the church is able to uh, cross boundaries that culturally cannot be crossed. The church is able to, to mend relationships that were not able to be mended or even put together. The church is this new thing in Christ. And it's why we come together. That's why, when we've pointed this out before, that's why we can have people from different cultural backgrounds, different uh, uh, um, physical backgrounds, you know, rich, poor, uh, east, west, north, south, uh, overseas, uh, near at hand, all these people, they come together in this body at this time, and it's glorious. And we get to experience that as a local church. But let me just emphasize, we are part of the transcendent church in the sense the church that is across this globe. And we can take joy in it. So he says, now, therefore, based upon this, you are, you Jews and Gentiles who are now one, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Two have become one, and, and you're all in the same family, this household of God. And a little Mother's Day uh, recognition here. 
Thank you, moms, for how you hold the households together. Right? I know my mom did. And I know my wife did. <laughs> Does. Did. Whatever. It's the idea. No, this is, this is reality. But as we talk about the church, segue out of Mother's Day for a minute. This is us. Men, women, and children. We are a part of the household of God if we've come to faith in what Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. It says, having been, it says you are of the household of God, having been... And I'm going to, I forgot, that's, not, that's later. All right, so the church is one family, and it, because why is it one family? The smooth segue, I know. Why is it one family? It responds to the gospel. This is the truth, and this is what we've been saying. This church is gospel-motivated. It's the gospel's for every person at every moment. We're trying to really repeat that enough to where when you wake up in the morning and you're having second thoughts about what, who you are in Christ, and you can remind yourself of the beauty of the gospel that is not only for salvation, it is for salvation, but it's for our own edification and our own, our own maturing in our faith to understand I can encourage myself with the gospel day in and day out because the world wants me to doubt the good news. The world wants to ignore the good news and, and, and it wants us to, to not be this family. So the church is one family. That's, that's, a, that's without a doubt. But this family, this big C church family, has responded to the gospel. That's why we're here today. In John, the gospel of John Uh, We see in uh, chapter 1, he says, But as many as received him, notice that, we're talking about as many as received. This is talking about believers. To them he gave the right to become children of God. All right? This is beautiful news. Uh, John said in 1 John, there's children of God and children of Satan. He's just saying the same thing here. As many as received him who came to faith in Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So folks, let us remember that the gospel of Jesus Christ requires faith in Him, not a denomination. Right? I had a privilege of meeting with a couple uh, in between services, and, and they were, they were uh, saying they've been, they, they we're right in their backyard. They've been here for three years and didn't know we were here. And they're so thrilled to be able to come out here, and they say, well, we're not, we're not historically Baptist. And they were like, is that okay? I'm like, yes, it's okay to not be a Baptist. Are you a Christian? And they're like, oh, yes. And that's why they're so excited to be here. And they said, we're not opposed to being a Baptist. I'm like, well, I'm not opposed to you being a Baptist either. But, but the, the beauty of it is we're brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of the denomination. It says here that as many as received him, those of genuine faith, To them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. And so my encouragement to you today, especially during this this gathering, this is the normal gathering where you'd expect either joining us online or in this room, there might be those who are kind of thinking, you know, what is this Jesus thing about? What is church about? Maybe you're here because your mom's here, right? And you otherwise would not be here. We just want to invite you to understand, we're just inviting you to believe in the name of Jesus. But that name stands for something. He is the Son of God who God saw fit to send into, the wor- into this world, this sinful, disgusting, sin-ridden world, right? We see it all around us. To redeem those disgusting, sin-ridden people from their sin. Jesus Christ came and he, he lived a sinless, perfect life. And when he died on that cross, the sins of all the world, of all time, were laid upon him. And his, because of his person as the Son of God, as the God-man, 
he was able to atone. His death atoned for every possible sin you can imagine, and that means your sins as well. And we invite you to believe in his name. So his name means he's the son of God that came into this world, but his name also is that he was the only one that could be on that cross to accomplish that forgiveness. And so please, if you have questions about Jesus, we'd love to answer those questions for you. But this is, this is who we are. We're uh, the household of God. We're, we're children of God uh, for all those who come to believe in his name. We were born of God. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that we did of ourselves. It says it's not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. Right? No, there's no other. It's because we have been born of God. It is a work of God in our life. So the church is one family. It responds to the gospel. You don't, you're not part of the family if you've never positively responded to the gospel in faith. But it's also, uh, being this one family, isn't it nice that we can rejoice in variety? All right? I mean, I think about it. Uh, most of you, when I first got here, I, I don't know if this is still true or not, because I don't say y'all that much, but you really, you really thought, well, you're from the South. And I can talk South, all right? I struggle. I can talk North to a point. But it has to be way North. I can say, you can't get there from here. But I can't, I can't talk New Hampshire yet because you, you're not distinguished. It's not distinguished enough. I can, I can talk, you know, y'all come back now. You hear? And I can say you can't get here, there from here. And somehow those go together. But I'm just saying, when we talk variety of the church, why is it that we all come together? Because of our, the, what we have, because of what we've all experienced, because of who we are. So let's, but let's look at the the. the depth of the variety that we should be experiencing. All right, here's, here's Revelation, powerful scripture, and you've heard it read probably in a couple times over the last year. After these things, I looked, this is John writing again, and behold, a great multitude, a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is us, folks, however many years, minutes in the future, that God is going to bring all things to completion, and we're going to have this experience. We are going to be amongst a great multitude of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. I know many churches, when we talk about uh, churches, that um, they, they just are really interested in just being looking like one another, right? They're not really interested in looking like Jesus Christ. I mean, yes, they are, don't get me wrong, but it's the idea they're, in their practices, they tend to look very alike. And here we're dealing with the fact that we can rejoice in the diversity that exists within our church body. Because we live in a multicultural uh, community, really, here in the, in the suburbs of Boston. But really, it's multicultural, really, across uh, any, almost anywhere in the United States now. Uh, because the world's become so small with that technology and the ability to travel and, and different things. But I look forward to this day, and I hope you do too, that we'll be amongst those from all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. And we will be singing praises to God and to the Lamb. So, so it's, a, it's one family that has responded to the gospel, rejoice, it rejoices in its variety, but notice it respects all members. I don't know if you've ever been to a church where you kind of felt like you were the outcast, you were the one on the fringe. Uh, we tell stories of, of a church we, we were a part of in the past, and 
Um, well, actually, it was, it was it, I'll say it. It was a, the church I went to a seminary with because I went down there first, and Christine was still in Rhode Island. And, uh, and I'm down there, and I hear this voice behind me. I had been there for probably two months. And I had my hand in a pew on a Wednesday night, and I'm sitting here like this. Oh, you are married. And I was like, oh, they, they saw my wedding ring. And I'm like, you've obviously seen me time and time again to notice this, but you've never said hello, right? And it was tough at first getting to, and it is tough to meet people in a church and get to know and be part of the family. But remember, our goal is not to just have guests walk through the door. It's the idea of having our guests become family and our family to exercise their gifts in such a way that they are, they are uh, duplicating uh, Christ-likeness in others. That's, that's really where we're at, folks. So in all res- it respects all members, and I hope that's the, your experience. But notice the type of people that we might have to respect. But now you yourselves are, uh, are to put off all these. This is Paul talking to the Colossians. He says, this is what we're supposed to be characterized as believers, putting off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, certainly, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So listen, this is that passage that talks about putting off the old, putting on the new, putting off the old man, the man of sin and death and destruction, putting on the new man that we are this new person that's new because of what God has done in us through Christ, right? And the power of the Holy Spirit, we see all this happening. And he says, listen, that since you have put off this old man and put on this new man, he says, where, uh, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. He's saying, listen, you've put off the old, the old you've put on the new, you're going to look more like Jesus, it says that right there, according to the image of him who created him, but notice this, where there is neither. This is who we are as a church. This is who we're supposed to respect. We're supposed to respect one another. Notice, I think we're used to the terms Greek and Jew, right? Different cultures, different perspectives on on life. We've already talked about how they pretty much hated each other, all right? Uh, Circumcised, uncircumcised. There's some religious differences that exist there. But I just want to focus for a couple moments on this idea of barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free. Who are these people? And to be honest with you, there's a, there's a question mark on who exactly, how to break down, down this text. Uh, some people believe that the Scythians were the worst case scenario of a barbarian. Uh, the idea of Greeks and barbarians. The Greeks would not only call Jews Jews, but they probably would have called Jews barbarians. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not an expert on this. But there's certainly some terminology to talk about Greeks and barbarians. Greeks looked at themselves as highfalutin, right? Important people educated people. Barbarians, you don't tend to think of barbarians as being very intellectual, do you? I mean, just the terminology. And he's saying here, there's these barbarians out there. There's these possibly the worst case barbarians, the Scythians, who were, I guess, historically speaking, were some wicked, wicked people, right? Uh, And it it, uh, talks about slave nor free, all right? We're, We're actually more familiar with this idea of slave or free, Right? But this idea, look at, we're supposed to respect all people. Now, we're not respecting the barbarians and the Scythians in their sinfulness. That's not what we're asking people to do. We're, Paul is saying in this particular letter, kind of in the same context of Ephesians, the idea of the middle wall of partition, it's like, no, this is who the ch- big C church is. 
And this is the manifestation of it in Little C Church, that we respect all people, even the former barbarians and Scythians. The, even these, well, culturally, they probably still are the same, from the same background. But they're not certainly characterized by the wickedness that they were known by. Folks, listen, we are the community of the redeemed. We come to the cross the same. Jesus Christ makes all the difference in our lives. And so therefore, we see that Christ is all in all. We are, we are the church. This is Christ's church. And he's in this church because he's in you. And we need to be living in such a way that brings God glory. All right? So what the church is, MVBC is called to be. And so the church is one family. And so therefore, we should be a family. And that means not being strangers with one another. That's one of the reasons, and I, I, I asked Phil and, and Kyle to, you know, forgive me for calling them out like that, but I knew that there were two people, and now Andy, I knew there, was, there were people that had similar, I want to I unite people with similar life experience. You know, and, and, and by uniting people, this is a beautiful thing. One of the things we're trying to do as a church, I didn't say this the first service, but I'll say it now. One of the things we're trying to do is get people to, to get to know one another to experience God's grace expressed through fresh relationships with one another. I heard testimony before this service, uh, and the people are in this room, and it wasn't too long ago. They didn't know each other. And then, and then these two people met these two people, and they're like four people. They hang out. They talk. They're encouraged. That's a great story. What I'd encourage you, if you have those stories, one of the things we're asking people to do is maybe share those stories with us. Maybe put it in writing. We'd like to maybe even interview you and record it video-wise so we can brag on God and what God does in this little C local body church, right? So the church is one family, therefore we should be a family, all right? What kind of family are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be two things I'm going to call out. The first one is the church is, Big C Church is unified. It is straight up unified. And uh, so uh, we need to move right along as I'm looking at my watch, all right? All right, so here we see. Uh, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. We got that. But fellow citizens, we got that. But notice this. We have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Our, our, going, back, going back here, this unified church, Big C Church, it's unified because all churches of all time, of all parts of the globe, have this as part of their, their, their foundation. They have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. This is a New Testament church. This is the church we're talking about. We are called to, to recognize the foundation that we have. All right? So it's, we are uh, a unified church, and this unified nature is, I just picked one area of, of theology. We could talk about many others. But this idea of we, the, our church, this unified church, it is justified by one Savior. And I'm going to talk about the other two persons of the, of the Trinity as well. But it's justified by one Savior. We see in Acts 13 uh, that uh, by him everyone who believes is justified. Right? Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, Jesus, who we preach to you, the forgiveness of sins, by him everyone who believes is justified. If you've never been justified, this justified is your standing before God. God justified you. He's saying that you, because of what Christ did, it says from all things from which you could be justified, you could not be justified by the law of Moses. There were those that were trusting in religion. They were just trusting in sac, uh, uh, 
They didn't call it sacraments back then. They're they're trusting in um, the expressions of religion, not the, the hope of our salvation, which is Jesus Christ. It says, listen, it's everyone who believes in Jesus has been justified, and only those have been justified. So we see that... Um, we see that a church is justified by one Savior. We also see that it's empowered by one Spirit. Now, there's plenty of passages, scriptures we could do to make this point as well, but I just picked out one, Acts 1.8. It's the Great Commission text out of the book of Acts. It says, By you, excuse me, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is talking about believers. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And lo and behold, I'm, I added that, to the end of the earth. That's majority of why we are here. Because somebody, some group of people, a bunch of individuals, but the church has not been prevailed against, and it's, it's going forth, and it's going forth, and it's going forth, and it has, the gospel has gone from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to your living room and to mine. And praise the Lord for it. We are empowered by one Spirit. That is the work of the Spirit in the church. And because the Holy Spirit is, is powerful in Big C Church, guess what? Because we are part of the Little C Church, His Spirit, His power, excuse me, the Holy Spirit's power is working in this church and in you and through you. We see that this unified church family also worships one Father. And that's, that's the beauty of the Trinity uh, as we see it in action. Uh, John chapter 4 is uh, uh, one of my favorite passages. I say that a lot about different passages. But when we talk about worship, here's the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus is interacting with her, and he tells her, but the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father. See where worship is to be directed? He says where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is desirous of your worship. It has to be genuine. It has to be in spirit and truth. And I don't have time to unpack those words right now. But notice this. Jesus is saying to this Samaritan woman who is an outcast from Jewish society, but because the middle wall of partition has been broken down in Christ, He's telling her, listen, the day is coming. The hour is coming. And now is because He is here. When true worshipers, and He was inviting her to be a true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And the Father is seeking such to worship Him. That's why we come together, right? Because we're one family. And what the church is, MVBC, is called to be, we're called to be a unified family. Now, real quick, I know there's, through a grapevine message I received multiple times at this point, people wonder why I talk about unity so much within MVBC as if we have something wrong with us, Okay. Well, I, what I've tried to say is all churches struggle with unity at some level, at some time, because the Word of God teaches about unity and challenges the church about unity all the time. So if I'm reading the Bible and it's talking about unity, I'm going to tell you about unity. But I'm saying the church is unified. It's a unified family. Therefore, we should be a unified family. And if and what I'm saying is, I think the majority of us are unified. But if there's somebody, if by perchance the Bible is not wrong and saying that there's somehow disunity within certain church families, I'm just saying, if there is some disunity, it ought not to be that way. And you ought to make a point of seeking to be unified. So what threatens unity? We're not going to go long into this, all right? 
just about everything threatens unity. And so to make this point, I have a quote from uh, one of this guy. Uh, um, actually, his last name's somebody. I don't even know his first name. But he says, being one in Christ must take precedence over all differences. And so just, I'm just leave that on the sc- screen for just a moment and just say, listen, if there's a brother or sister in Christ that you don't feel particularly unified with, First of all, it's on, if you're thinking it, it's on you to make it right. I'll be glad to help you. Any of the pastors would be glad to help you. But we're just saying that when it comes to being a unified little C church, being one in Christ must take precedence over all differences. And I, I'm just saying all is all. Whatever difference you might have with a brother or sister in Christ, make it right. It's on you because we are one family who is unified. But we're also a church that is faithful, all right? And so in 1 Corinthians 9, 22 to 27, uh, it says, I have become all things to all men. You're familiar with this passage. Paul is speaking, that I might by all means save some. Again, gospel motivated. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race run all? Uh, uh, But one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it. Paul is saying, listen, if we're going to be a church, a unified family of God, we need to be faithful. We need to all run faithfully. There's no shortcuts. There's no, you know, uh, running through the woods to get there faster, right? You got to run the race that's set before you as Paul did. Paul is saying, listen, I've run my race. And he was encouraging others to run theirs. But he says, listen, we need to run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Notice, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, the actual runners. He's saying, but we are, spiritually speaking, we run the the life that we have in Christ for an imperishable crown. That's why we're running. It's, it's to honor God. It's, it's, to, it's to win what has already been won for us in Christ. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Paul, is, he's just encouraging us that we are to be those who are living faithfully. He says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Do you feel like a disqualified Christian this morning? Do you, are you living the, the defeated Christian life? Listen, it's an easy answer. You get on your knees. You repent. You confess your sins. You repent. And you just, you don't have to receive the forgiveness again. It's already there because you're part of the church. We are just called to walk faithfully. How do you start walking faithfully? You make a choice that honors God out of faith. All right? So is the church... Uh, the church is faithful. It, it, it fulfills the Great Commission. I'm actually, for sake of time, going to squ- uh, work through these slides rather quickly. I have the scripture verse. We, it fulfills the Great Commission. That's what the Big C Church, the Big C, Big C Church is not, the gates of hell, remember, uh, and I think it was Jamie that pointed this out, right? The gates of hell does not prevail against the church because the church is bringing the gospel into this world. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. The gospel is going to go forth, and it's going to win souls, and it's going to glorify God. The church is going to do what the big C church does. The question is, is little C church going to be part of it? Not every little C church is. 
successful at this, but we seek to be, and we ought to be. It fulfills the Great Commission, Matthew 28. I'm just going to go through. We, we teach this. Be ought to be, take the beginnings class. We cover this verse in depth, all right? We see that it obeys the Great Commandment. We know that one. That's out of John or Matthew. And Jesus speaking, he says, uh, a religious leader says, hey, listen, you know, what must I, uh, what must I do? Uh, or what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And you know the guy was thinking, I got this covered. And then Jesus said, the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all, excuse me, hang all the law and the prophets. On these two commands. How are you doing in the love thing? This is the year that we're focusing on loving like Jesus. This is the great commandment. Big C Church is going to do this because that's who the Big C Church is. We as Little C Church need to make sure this is uh, the way we're manifesting it as well. Lastly, it says it completes its assigned task. Where am I getting this from? Well, first of all, Matthew 12, 50 says, For whoever does not, who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. This is the family aspect. We're, we're drawing into connection the idea of obedience with family. All right? I have my chaplain assistant when I was in Afghanistan and got me a birthday present. And it was a, an old uh, iPod, little, little stick thing. I forget what it was called. But uh, on it, he had it engraved. Uh, was the marked version of this, but it was the idea, he who obeys the Lord is my brother, right? We were different denominations, but we have the same Savior, all right? And so this is the idea of family. But we also see in Ephesians 2.10 that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before that we should walk in them. Listen, we have a mission to make a mature disciples of Jesus Christ, and we're supposed to live this out every day. But I'm, I'm just, as we look here, they're saying, God, we are created in Christ Jesus. We're new creatures in Christ. And as a result, we are supposed to go uh, and do the works, not for our salvation, but as an outworking of our salvation, those works that God has prepared for us to do. So that's the idea of, of being faithful uh, with uh, the tasks that, are, that God has planned for us. So what the church is, MVBC is called to be. The church is faithful. It's a faithful family. Big C Church is. Therefore, we, Little C Church, ought to be a faithful family. All right? So you might ask, what threatens faithfulness? I'm not very imaginative. Just about everything. Just about everything threatens faithfulness. Listen, a piece of toast burning in the toaster can stop you from doing your morning devotions. Right? A crying baby on Mother's Day. Crying baby can tank your day. Right? There's all kinds of distractions. There's all kinds of things that can come in. But, but listen, a practice of being in God's Word, a practice of being a, a, a community of believers on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights and other times in life groups, you know, you have these practices. It sustains us. It sustains our walk. But there are times where we can fall out of practice because we're not being diligent to, to doing the things and being faithful to the things that God has called us to be. Don't forsake the assembly. But I'm just saying, there's just about everything can, can threaten faithfulness. So lastly, and we're going to go this, through this really quick, so Aaron, you'll be up here in just a second. All right? uh, each local church is a distinct family. 
So now we're not talking about big C church. We're talking about little C church. Each local church is a distinct family. And over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack this idea of our distinctiveness, all right? And so we see in Ephesians 2, 19 and 20, that I'm just going to go ahead and and jump to where it says, uh, as he said, the middle wall of partition and the two have become one. And he says, in whom the whole building... Uh, talking, Paul's talking about the church, uh, the people of the church, right? In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In one sense, that's big C church. In one sense, because it's all believers of all time that will actually make that up. But notice this. In whom you also, little C church, are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit, Ephesians. This is, big C church is a real thing. Ephesians, you're part of it. Big C Church is a big, is a real thing. Merrimack Valley Baptist Church, you're part of it. In whom you also, we also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. This is what we are called to be. So it exists as a congregation. Not just this congregation, we have the morning group as well, all right? The ones that are more spiritual because they get up earlier, right? And then, and then we also have, uh, we have, so that we exist as a congregation, We're cared for as deacons, and we're led by pastors slash elders, okay? We're going to talk about this over the next few weeks, but this is me just saying, listen, Little C Church is really, really important, and we need to do it right, and we're going to talk about this. So I wanted us to understand the local church is comprised of a congregation. Within that congregation, you have pastors slash elders, and you also have deacons. We're all part of the congregation. I know I wasn't part of your congregation before I came here as a pastor, but you know what? There was a time in the past where Pastor Aaron and Pastor Dan were were part of this church, and and they grew up in this church, at least for part of their lives, and now they're helping pastor this church. And and so, listen, we're just saying as pastors slash elders, same group of people will talk about it. And we'll be glad to receive your questions on next week, uh, next Wednesday. Not, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. But in deacons, right, we're all part of We don't cease being in the congregation just because we take roles of responsibility within the body. And so I tell people, uh, my local church ministry, I'm the pastor. What's your local church ministry as part of the congregation, right? So that's what we're going to be dealing with. So each local church is a distinctive family, and therefore, let's be distinct, not distinct in some way where the, the world notices. No, just let's be the, as distinctive as God wants us to be, all right? By being a united, faithful family. And that's, that's where we'll, we'll conclude tonight. What the church is, MVBC is called to be. And so uh, we'll, we'll close in prayer. I've, I've given them about three and a half minutes uh, to, uh, to sing a, a last song. But thanks for your patience. And please, be active in this gathering, right? Help us help you make the next step of faith. Father, we thank you for this body of believers that you have called here together. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to rely upon our own history and our own understanding of the church. You have given us an understanding of who the church is to be and what they are supposed to do. And Father, we thank you that as you have gifted each one within any particular uh, congregation, Father, you desire that we would exercise the spiritual gifting that you've given us to your honor and glory. 
Father, help us to be gospel-motivated. Help us to understand the gospels for uh, leading people to the Lord as well as encouraging ourselves in the Lord and encouraging other believers in the Lord. Lord, help us to understand that making disciples who make disciples who can make disciples is not an easy task. It takes effort. It takes focus. It takes time. Father, all these things that we seek to be is because your word has informed us. We pray that you glorify yourself through this local expression of your body. And Father, we pray that uh, new people would come to faith because of the relationships that exist in this gathering. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.